0: Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Commercial Finance, Products, Structure and Strategy. So today I'm joined by Carl Spencer, one of the directors of Broadwing. So we're going to talk through basically how Carl's gone through his journey from start to finish and um, how he's managed to get into developments using little to none of his own money and some of the creative strategies that he's using moving forward with the guys that he's in business with now. So Carl, do you want to talk a little bit about Yourself, just introduce yourself to the audience, and then we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this it, this is quite funny because uh, Michael and I have known each other for some time, and we've been laughing and joking right up until the video <laughs> and up right until the recording started. So <laughs> no, uh, it's all are very, very serious, re- very, very professional. Yes, uh, but um, yeah. So first and foremost, uh, I what I do now um, is as Michael's just you just suggested there is that. I'm a co-owner of a property development company called Broadwing and with myself and Emmanuel Ezekiel and Ben Keenan and we what we do is we buy sites I wouldn't say all over the country but uh, down south and Lincolnshire Peterborough Essex and Cambridge here, we're pretty pretty diverse in location and then we build them out so we deliver those sites and they generally are anywhere between um say six to nine units up to about sort of 200 units that in within that space is where we, we tend to operate and in the SME market and uh, we've also then got a consultancy business that finds sites for other developers and the reason we do that is one of course um, you know being candid it's another revenue business to, to the company because it's it's another spoke to what we're doing each day so we're analyzing opportunities all the time. And not only that, of course, but we simply can't do them all. There's only so much delivery capacity that we can do. Funding, you can, if if, if there's a good site with good margins, then funding tend, tends to find it. But there's only so much delivery capacity that any one development company can do. So uh, that's what I do on a day-to-day basis, yeah.
0: Brilliant. Okay, so yeah, like you said, I mean, we've known each other for, yeah, a few years now. Um, I think we got to know each other... I'm trying to. think, It's always that old movie Trying to remember how you oh, met. It's, yeah, um, yeah. I remember we worked on our first site together. Must be
1: two years ago now. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Well, because that's just coming to an end now, isn't it? It is. Yeah, that, that site. We just had our last drawdown. Actually, yeah, with uh, with literally yesterday. So brilliant. Um, but i remember we first spoke re- really early on when you literally not not just started but i don't think it was long after you'd started maybe i think i've been go-
0: yeah i think i've been in finance for 3 months maybe yeah
1: re- really early because but-
0: you were very elusive i remember that because <laughs> i remember
1: leaving you voicemails and i think he's not getting back to me i don't know what's going on yeah hey, i was probably quite elusive because i wasn't really i was kind of not not really fully in it I mean if you like if I if I really think about the time frame for both of us to be honest, yes yeah. you know really um, in fact I was only talking to somebody about this the other day because they I've been doing property development now for about three years that's kind of my two and a half three years and before that rent to rent was the strategy that I was adopting so yep. HMO rent to rent and also service accommodation I think you were that. just
0: coming out of rent to rent when we first spoke, actually.
1: Yeah, and we were talking, because someone asked me about how how, did, how how was the jump made from rent-to-rent to development, and I'll if you don't mind, I'll cover that off in a moment, because I've had a few people ask that, because we've done a lot of trainings around rent-to-rent HMOs, and we were, we were sort of yeah. quite uh, active on social media at the time when we were doing rent-to-rent, so a lot of people kind of... Had a hang on, I thought you were doing rent to rent at some point. And of course, yeah. y- you know, and all of a sudden, development was what was going on. So there was a like with all things, all in the background. There's a huge transition going on, but of course, uh, uh, openly people don't always see that. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, that was really what probably was the elusive part. Was because there's a lot of transition going on, yeah. and you're not always fully in. So you're partly in one foot in rent to rent, and we had a, we had quite a number of them, and uh, we also had quite a number of service accommodation. And it certainly wasn't Broadwing. I mean Broadwing's, you know, g- generally the last 12 months, Broadwing in its current entity
0: mm.
1: is where it is now. But over that three years there's been, I've, I've been involved in developments in various different guises, which I'll cover off in, in, in a moment in terms of the strategies. Um, but yeah, just, these, these things just just take time, but I think that's probably why I was elusive. That's why you It <laughs> 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 was <not as> ignoring <laughs> it. I yeah. love the fact you've just taken
0: three minutes to explain why you why you were. Basically,
1: <laughs> what the real answer was, I didn't want to answer the phone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Saw yeah. my number come yeah. up and thought, no, hey, I'm avoiding yeah, that. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so then we yeah we got in contact on your your first one, Um and obviously things now have spiralled into th- this massive. Well, like I, I said in the Facebook post, I mean, Broadway really is going into the route. It's blown up into this massive development company, and it sounds yeah. like I'm bigging you up, and it's this, oh, the host is bigging up the the interviewee, um, but it's really not the case. It really is the case that you guys have gone from, I mean, obviously the other guys maybe have been, I think Ben's been in business, not necessarily in property, Emmanuel's obviously been in property and business for a long time, mm-hmm. but from your side of things, I mean, you've come into it in the last three years and gone from rent to rent to being this big player in the development space, mm. and the thing is you're actually doing what you say you're doing as well. Yeah. Um, people can see it, I, I've seen it, I've raised the finance on it, so I know it's a real entity. Mm. Um, but I mean, talk us through, I guess, what, what a lot of people will be interested in, because a lot of the, the listeners are getting into development maybe for the first time, or get, getting into commercial property for the first time. Yeah. So how did you go from rent to rent, maybe, maybe even before rent to rent, how did you make that transition into stepping out of a nine to five job, into literally being in property full time.
1: Yeah. Um, so the first thing I, the first thing I'd answer is I think that your your product will dictate who looks at you. So if for example you're doing rent to rent, so if I talk about rent to rent, when we first started, me and my old business partner we'd done rent to rent at the beginning, we had no funds for that. So you've got to raise five, six thousand to fund your furniture and maybe your first month's deposit and so on for your first rent to rent. And um, so how did we do that? Well, you're can reach. you now looking for people that maybe are looking to put in five or 6,000. Then you then start doing HMOs. And we then started looking at, that was luck for us. We understood how to manage HMOs, because we'd done a number of them. And, um, and on rent-to-rent capacity, we, we didn't own any of them. So what we then decided to then do is go on to uh, finding properties that could be converted to HMOs, that we would then manage them. So in effect, we got a sourcing fee for finding them, we then got a part project managed to convert them into the licensed HMO, and then the management company would then manage them. So one business was feeding the other, and that was like a natural evolution. But what did that then mean? So we needed to find people that had a minimum of 80 or 100,000, because that then meant that's deposit plus stamp and of course plus the, um, the refurb money. So we needed people that had that kind of funds. Now we didn't own them still, they did but what that product then did is started having visibility to those and meeting people that's got that amount of money The second you then drop into property development and maybe look for, which is what I did at the beginning which I don't necessarily think is the right way to go but uh, and we made this mistake but it's where you're finding sites that you think I'll tell you what I do I'll start small I'll look at sites that's got one or two units, which we did, and we lost money. And the reason we lost money is because it's very difficult to buy them cheap enough, because really they're aimed at self-builders, which we're not.
0: And the lending is difficult, and that sort of thing as well, because as, as you know, it's actually weirdly harder to borrow a hundred grand Completely. than it is to borrow a million pounds.
1: It's, it's almost like bridging. You're and doing it, it, bridging, and it's yeah. It, and it was, it was, it was. Um, yeah, that kind of taught us a real lesson, really. And then, But again, the principle was, in terms of raising or having... It depends how you structure I'll, 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 um, for, for I know we we're going to talk about this. We talked about this earlier. But I want to really sort of um, to talk about some, some, some ways that I've structured and how I've gone along. But one way, uh, in this particular instance, is we bought these two units and uh, my business partner at the time um, put some money in to be able to buy this Basically, there's an old farm and we had a barn at the back and we converted, sorry, we got planning permission for the barn at the back to be a five bed barn conversion. And the idea of course was to then title split, sell the house back off and sell the barn separately. The difficulty was that the house at the front didn't sell for as much as we thought. And and then by the time we went to then do the build out, um, we wasn't really gonna make hardly any profit over the space of a year you're then running the risk of that might not still sell for what it might you think is going to sell no. for. And actually, we're better off just sort of getting our money out and then working on another slightly larger uh, transaction, which happened to be the one that you helped us on for the, f- yes, yes. the, the six units and uh, just near Peterborough. But but that taught us a real lesson. That, um, but to answer your original question about how do you rate the, the product was still, that needed about 200,000. Well again because we were looking for something slightly bigger, we attracted people two hundred thousand. Yeah. Now of course the schemes we're doing, you know, we're talking much, much larger Millions amount, rather than that. But yeah. it's but it's only because it's just relevant, relative to what you've what you you know, what you're basically what you're promoting. You know, yeah. that, that, that really helped. Um, but yeah, and the transit the transition from rent to rent to development, that for me was really easy. Because rent to rent was really um, not really f- fulfilling me. It was it was managing tenants, yeah. and it was we, we in all truth we wasn't really making a lot of money. Um, y- you know, I'm not dissing people that do rent to rent because there the, there will be lots of things that we were doing wrong. Um, but at the same time, there's a difficult stage within rent to rent HMOs that you know one or two or three units you can do that on your own and make a, a nice little living. Yeah. The second you go to seven, eight, or nine, you need to have additional resources to help manage that. So you're in this kind of, you're making less money at seven than you are that you would have been at three.
0: Because you've had to bring because in the extra resources the extra to manage it. With. So that,
1: so when we moved to 10 or 12, it becomes a bit of a different beast is where we got to. And then yeah. we then got one and two and three and six and then another three or four service combination. All of a sudden that was a, was a it was a fairly sizable amount of units that we had. And it um, just took a lot of management. I just didn't enjoy it. this wasn't really uh, one we weren't making a lot of money in all truth yeah. and um, and so but aside from the money, property development was was for me it was I love creating legacy. Um, I love people, I love mixing with people, so I think if you're someone that that is quite personable and likes to collaborate as a person, yes. then property development couldn't be you couldn't be better matched you know because you just there is it, it's collaboration from start to finish on every level and um, so for me it was creation you can physically see something that you've built that's that has that, that people are going to living for many many years that is yeah. something that that meant a lot to me and um, and doing something that most people would never dare do meant that there's genuinely less competition yeah, and that was a there was a few reasons as to why I did it.
0: Yeah. it it's a big step to take, I suppose, because going from rent to rent, where you are talking about borrowing ten, maybe twenty grand. I mean, personally, I'm in the middle of doing a rent to rent at the minute. Yeah. I've had to put ten grand into it. Yeah, exactly. Um, to go from that to going to a situation where on your development you borrowed two and a half million pounds. Mm. I mean that is a monumental step to take. Um, now, obviously, you, you took that in debt from the bank, but obviously, there was investors involved as well. Mm. Um, but that leads on quite nicely, I guess, to a question I get asked quite a lot, and I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. Which is, how do you make yourself, especially now that you're Broadwing, how do you, as Broadwing, make yourselves sexy to investors? Mm. Because there's so many people out, especially, again, coming back to the audience of this sort of thing. Of everyone that listens to this, everyone is looking for money everyone 's appealing to investors, naturally, the same people are going to the same investors. How do you make yourselves well trustworthy and and good looking to an investor
1: yeah um, I think funny enough, there was someone that messaged me last week, and um, complete it is on topic, but it 's not to do with property, but the point he he asked me was. He reached out and he said he, he, he's employed currently and he has a fantastic business idea. And his business idea um, he, he needs funds for. So he needs to raise capital for this technology idea. So he reached out and said, look, I've seen what you've done over the last what, however long. Um, we're connected by friends rather than through property, So but, but right. he's just seen on the news feeds and things. And he said, can I just ask, how on earth do you raise money? Where do you even start? So. So I phoned him up and we had a bit of back and forth to be able to get the the, the time to to speak. Anyway, I I called him randomly. I just wanted to reach out to him. And I sort of said, um, I think the difficulty is that if you go into property development or property period saying that you're looking for money, I think that fundamentally is where the problem is. Mm. Even a bank... Um, for me, it's not money, you know. Now, you know, the, the end of that, the heart and the root of all of this is, is people, constantly. Yeah. at the end of the day, it's you know people and people is it's, it's you're transacting with people. It's people that want to buy into you, buy into the idea, buy into the message. Yeah. Um, and that was, and I said to him that f- forget looking for the money. Perhaps think about. Collaboration in some way. Now, this is a big decision to make when it's IP, when it's your own business idea, and you don't want to give away equity. I get it, but at the same time, that's why uh, me, Ben, and Emmanuel—there's three of us in the company. Any one of us could go and do our own development company. Yeah. You know, to to a lesser or greater degree, whatever. Um, You know, Ben's a director of a huge uh, company, massive, massive company, do four hundred million pound developments. But wanted to have his own development company um, himself. Uh, Emmanuel has done many, many transactions. Got a very huge uh, personal uh, uh, portfolio wealth himself, uh, as does Ben. Um, But they, but he um, was and openly has said that he was looking to collaborate. Likes the idea of working with people. um, Doesn't want to be isolated in property. and, uh, And that's kind of what brought all three of us together. The beauty of that is you're less personally at risk. Yeah. You are, you also, all three of you, um, or two, or however you want to set this up, uh, you tend to piggyback off all, all of your network. Now your network has become much larger and your network, in that, that network can either be funds, contacts, mentorship, yep, uh, support, whatever, you know, um, but you're giving away more for it, but it allows you to become much bigger. It also means that it's not all on you. It means that you can turn to people. Split some of the workload. You split, split some of the workload. And so all of these things are, things. so that's fundamentally, I think, what, what helps. I think when you shift that in your mind and think, actually, how, how can I? Someone taught me at one point when I, had, uh, I was having some mentorship, and they said, whenever an idea or solution or problem is, 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 or I need to take an idea into something, the first question I need to ask myself is who can help? Yeah. that should be my immediate go to, rather than me go panic, panic, task, task, task. Don't yeah. quite know where to turn. And that's really shifted it. So I think that probably helped.
0: Okay. So I suppose talking that you, about you're talking more about bringing on business partners there, I think, as well as uh, investors. Um, I suppose again for so we've spoken about sort of bringing in investors, making yourself attractive to investors and, and business partners. Yeah. I just want to very quickly touch on because I think both you and I have had. Interesting experiences with business partners. Very. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's that's probably the safest way I can put it. Yes. Um, (laughs) So, from your perspective, how do you go about choosing a good business partner? Because I mean, I'm terrible at it. Um, As I've
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've proven. Uh, No, no. Listen, um, we. we, How do you know though? You don't know until you start. That's the thing.
0: but I suppose what are the if you had to pick three things that you look for in oh. a business partner, and this will this will lead us nicely on in a minute to, to talking a bit more about uh, your strategies moving forward. Mm. But yeah, what what are the top three things you look for in a business partner or business partners?
1: I'm not sure if I can put it to. Th- I'll, I'll let me just blab on and see if it I'll let you sense. blab on. You <laughs> might
0: you may well hit three. <laughs> uh,
1: so as my Good friend and business partner Manuel says to me that in life you meet people for a, a reason, a season, or for life. And it, it, it kind of, and anyone that knows Emmanuel will probably chuckle because I know he says this a lot to people that, that he speaks to, but at the same time it has so much credibility yep. because you actually don't really know. Um, I think what tends to happen, I'm the grand age of forty forty three. Um, but I think the, I'm not even sure if it's age, I think that's kind of relevant, I've just started late in my personal development life, there's many of you that will be listening or, or, or that you connect to and w- w- whatever that will be, looking at, will be looking at personal growth much, much quicker than I ever did. But um, the more you own yourself, so the more that you can inspire yourself in supposed to you know, someone said to me once, uh, stop watching the videos, become the video. That, yeah. you know, that I think if you start to really own what you're about, what your weaknesses are and what your strengths are, and basically forget your weaknesses, because I think you can improve on them for sure, yeah. but really hunker down and go all in on your strengths. Um, but become more rounded, because you have to be, of course, when you're a business owner, but you're never going to be... If you're not fantastic at accounts... Uh, and spreadsheets. No matter how many times you do it, yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. It's not going to be. It's, it's
0: never going to be a passion.
1: It's not going to be it. You're going to look. you look for ways, as like I mentioned earlier, who can help. You're going to look. You're going to go down yeah. that route. Um. So to answer the question, I told you I'm going to blab on, but in to answer the question, I don't think you really know. I think it helps with you understanding who you are first. Yeah. The, start there first, and probably my experiences have been so far is look for people that are not like you. You're naturally... Tony Robbins talks a lot about this, um, and Jim Rohn, his mentor mentor, uh, does, or did. He's he's passed away many years now. But if um, you look for people that are naturally like you, that you're probably gonna fall foul. I think if you look mm. for people that are perhaps more detailed, someone that's more risk adverse, you know, someone that is um, maybe more business controlling, for example. Yep. You know, you've naturally got you know, out of the three of us, we've naturally got someone that that, that, that gravitates to connections finance. You yep. know, Manuel, he's kind of down more that direction. And, uh, and 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 uh, and bringing contacts to the business and yeah. and uh, making deals happen, you've got Ben that's that's by trade is a lawyer, but he's very, you, you know, uh, looks for red flags, yeah. has a more of a skeptical view. Um, he's yeah.
0: almost your head of risk, I guess. Probably. Head of
1: risk, he's very corporate, but so he naturally takes the more of the CEO role. Yeah. And then you've got Carl that's the more, the operations end, which is, you know, that kind of ties those bits to, together. Yeah. Um, the day-to-day delivery and, and the collaboration. So you, it naturally starts to form, but you don't know that when you start. And um, and none of us did, by the way. We had an idea, but it's only when you start and your day-to-day activity yeah. that everyone starts to understand, oh, okay, that can be quite frustrating that Carl's not doing that. But actually, let's focus on... Yeah. where he does bring the value, and we can then start to s- siphon those bits away. Okay. Yeah.
0: So we've spoken about how you got into it, how you have now found your business partners, how things are now starting to expand mm. uh, at, at a pretty ridiculous rate. Um, I just want to bring it back to a bit of doom and gloom before Ooh. we... Yes. I, I love a bit of doom and gloom. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think... Loads of that. People like a reality check. Um, and I think what we'll do, that we'll, we'll have a bit of doom and gloom and then we'll move on to the really nice heartwarming, everything's going right stuff. Um, and I think that'll be a nice way to finish off. So mm. j- just talk us through, because obviously we've known each other for a couple of years, but just before I knew you, and, and you mentioned this just before the podcast, you have had a couple of ventures that didn't quite go right. Um, and I think it's helpful for people to understand, especially the one you mentioned to me earlier. Mm. Um, if we can talk <laughs> in a bit more detail about that and help people to understand actually... Not everything goes perfectly and not everything is sunshine and rainbows for and sure. um, unicorns and all that fancy stuff. It's, there, there really is stuff that goes wrong. Um, did
1: you just say unicorns?
0: I did say unicorns, but I said it quietly so that...
1: <laughs> no. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: trying to, yeah, I'm glad you picked up on yeah, like that. I'm Thanks gonna, for
1: that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, go on. Talk us through especially what happened with the inventory business because I think that's yeah something that, that shows people that not everything... Is perfect.
1: Uh, yeah, there's I, 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 just as we were just talking before, like you say, uh, I had um, back in 2009 I set up a company called um, uh, Inventory Shore or Inventory Clerk Business, which is to the letting agency market where you um, you do your inventories at the beginning, you do checkouts at the end of the tenants, there might be six months in between or two years in between, whatever. And you're just making sure that the property condition is as is, empty, vacant, and that they left it in what was the inventory condition when they check out, and then mid-term inspections all the way through. And um, So I set that up in 2009, and um, two ladies were working for me that, that I introduced to the business, they were doing all of the work. And um, literally a week before our, our, Scar- our, our oldest, Scarlet Six, so 2013, so a week before she was born, uh, we lost the entire workload. Um, so that was, um, we're not talking millions of pounds this business was making. At the end of the day, this was a small business. But there was around £50,000, £60,000 a year reoccurring income coming into the house um, from that business. And at that point, we were putting pretty minimal time in um so the net income of that business was about 40,000 a year something like that and um, what happened and what this taught me was that i had no contracts at all with uh, the two ladies doing it because this is a small business you they introduced me through friends yeah, you know you the, expect it, it to you all you be all expect, right you expect it to be okay it was part time work for both of them it is all okay and um, but also, what I t- learned from this as well is that you become complacent. So the relationship gets detached from the client yeah. to you, and then what happened then is they then become the relationship, uh, the, the two ladies and yeah. and uh, and the agencies, and um they just approached them and said, well, we can do this for, you know, twenty quid a job less than Carl, and Carl, all he's doing is invoicing, and and that and they kind of t- took to that, so we just lost. All of the work now. All of the uh, clients were as good enough to phone me to say, "Look, Carl, what do we do? You know, yeah. we, we've got numbers to hit. We can get the same work, same people, same everything." And uh, it taught me a real lesson. So that was many years have gone past now, and that's all that's all bygones by bygones. But um, business naivety, complacency, ultimately that's what that's what killed that. And uh, but in property development, particularly. Um, in fact, Ben and I when talking about this the other day that. Last year, y- y- you know, we, we, we you know we're doing a number of projects uh, at the moment, and yeah. we've got more in the in the pipeline. And uh, but the, but what people don't see is the nightmares that you have with even those transactions.
0: Well, Sam, so, I mean, we we were sat here for an hour before recording the podcast, and you've got a deal at the minute that that isn't quite it's a nightmare. going to plan. It, it's um, a, it's a,
1: an absolute nightmare. Um, reality. Last year, we had four that fell out of bed. You know, we, and I'm talking. You get a lender you, you, that the, the, the is all in, that's, yeah. a, that's accepted the deal. You've got, um, you've even paid out for a bank valuation that might cost five, six thousand, um, just for valuation of, of, a, of a site. Then uh, legals are proceeding. You're just about to move to exchange, and um, the owner either gets greedy or something gets flagged up, or the valuation comes back. Um, lower. I think we'll, t- we'll talk about this in a moment. Yeah. This is a really important point that um, you know anyone can offer, but only so many people can execute. Yeah. And there's a big, big difference right now. And uh, we found that in Spades last year yeah. that you go, okay, we'll go on that valuation, okay, and then the bank valuation comes in, it's different, and we then are back into renegotiations with the owner. Yeah. They don't accept because they still think they're going to sell for more and the problem is that it all falls apart, but by then you spent thousands of pounds on a red book, and, and that happened to us four, four times last year, and, um, oh and you put months of work in. You yeah. speak to investors to put the money in. In some cases, the money gets put into the bank, ready, into the SPV, ready to purchase, yeah. of which you start paying an interest on.
0: Obviously, with losing that many sites in a year, I mean, four is not a huge number, but losing a good chunk of sites. It plays, I guess, coming from my side. So coming from a broker's perspective, everything is peaks and troughs all the time. So, and it's similar for developers as well. So, how do you mentally prepare yourself for that all the time? Because you go through these massive highs of we've got the site, and then straight away it could be a massive low as oh right we've lost the site. Yeah. Uh, how do you? Yeah, it always baffles me because I mean I, I sometimes struggle to get my head around it on the financing side. Where you've, you're invoicing these huge amounts of vast sums of money on the brokering, but then you're losing 20, 30 deals in the background. So, how do you get around that? Because I think that will help a lot of people on this as well.
1: You, I don't think you can, never, you can never really get used to it. I mean, because even when you'll um, buy sites that's got f- full planning, with just a few conditions to be discharged, yep. and the reality is it's not that. It's not that straightforward. You know, there's the, yeah. and uh, so in fact on two of the transactions that we won in West London for ten apartments, um, there's all sorts of things going on next door, isn't there, Mike? I
0: was gonna say we're gonna <laughs> if anyone can hear any bang, it's cause the room next to the office is being refurbed, so I apologize for any hammering in the background. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, but um whilst
0: trying to have a serious interview. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> um yeah, so one is for West uh, in, in, in Acton, West London, for 10 apartments, and another one is uh, in in Pearly, Croydon, for nine. And both of them, we were touch and goes to whether they were going to transact the whole way through them. I mean, it was just yeah. not straightforward. At the end of the day, you've got people involved, and, and uh, in a frustration setting, if it takes longer than everyone thought. And... On the structure, which I know we'll talk about in a moment, if you're using MES lending or not, and all those yeah. kind of things, you've got more lawyers involved, which they don't always pull in the same Naturally direction. Naturally
0: adds an extra layer of complication all the time, yeah.
1: And the, the seller at the other end doesn't, one, necessarily understand, in, in some cases.
0: And they're always in a rush as well.
1: Yeah. And, and they always so want the money like yesterday. So, that, that was, so how do you prepare it mentally? I, I don't think you can ever get used to it. Um, but in development, if you're not someone that's patient and understands that things take longer yeah I would never ever ever suggest to get into it in fact I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy yeah. I think if you're someone that's very impatient and doesn't get anything like that then I, I wouldn't get into it yeah. I mean it, planning is very difficult planning can um the, the generally most boroughs we deal in and uh, several different locations and um, and no one borough is better than another. They're, they're under-resourced. Yeah. The uh, the actual planners and tourists they only work two to three days a week, and um, and it's the it's the whole thing's a completely crazy non-commercial entity. And uh, you know what's you know a small development for we're just about to get planning on a site um, just near Peterborough for six beautiful big stone-built executive houses, and um, that should have been an eight-week planning decision. We're now moving into just over four months. Wow. and they've now missed three extension dates and even when the extension date comes and goes there's no nothing you can't even go hold of anyone
0: there's a lack of communication and I think that's from my side of things on, pro- on projects that, that we've worked on before it's the lack of communication mm. is the worst bit um, I mean we've got a bungalow that we're buying at the minute the solicitor's been on radio silence for probably the best part of 8 to 12 weeks and then you've got phone calls coming in from the vendor going what's going on why have you not bought it yet well, my solicitor's not talking to me. Well, they don't get. They can't get their head around it. How can? So yeah, I think. Yeah, like you said, it's it's hard to prepare for I think that the, sort of thing.
1: I agree. I think the only way it starts to really improve is that your professionals you get you you, you get better professionals around you. Yeah. I think that certainly is start is you know we, we're as an entity we we're, we're young, but as Developers, collectively, there's good experience. But but it's the professionals that we've now engaged which really help it, help speed up the process.
0: Okay, and I suppose that leads us... We've done the doom and gloom stuff. We've spoken about how things can go wrong, how everything's not perfect, and and sort of come on to how you prepare yourself for that mentally and then moving into your team. But Mm. I I suppose the last question on that side of think, how do you actually pick your team? So as Broadwing, obviously, you're now taking on... Some, some pretty incredible professionals uh, mm-hmm. working alongside you. Mm-hmm. So how do you go through that vetting process? Because I mean obviously I, I've talk, spoken to people before about how you choose good brokers and how you choose the banks to work with and that sort of thing, but th- there's so much more to it than that. There's your architects, your planners, your solicitors, all those those guys that you need around you. So from a developer's perspective and especially from a, a professional developer's perspective, how do you actually go about picking that team?
1: There's so many answers to that question. I mean, like, there, I mean, one will do. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you only get one with me, Michael. Um, I, when you when you start in development and you're starting out on your own, which is what what I, I did. It, you know, it, it was Carl um, steering the boat. You yeah. know, there was people around me. But it was it was it was. Me getting all of the IP initially, and the one we've just finished, we didn't. So, the, the six hours we've just finished is not in our current Broadwing entity. That one was a previous. That, that, was, uh, that, before that, that, that was before that we started. Before yeah. we started our current uh, Broadwing uh, uh, vehicle. And um, did we have an independent QS? No. Uh, did we have a lot of the professionals that we have now involved? No. Um, y- you know, it wasn't a JCT contract, as in a fixed-term yeah. contract. It was a Federation of Master Builders contract, which is a it's a cost um, that's a, called it a fixed sum. And in fact, actually, we're we're only very marginally over that. So actually, that's that's worked out. But by the by, there's been some value engineering along the way. Yeah. Um, but it's been sp- proportionately a lot more time spent on it. So I think what I don't think there's any substitute for. Anything, and I'm not knocking courses or any education. I've done loads no. of it myself, but at the same time, there's no substitute for actually doing stuff. Yeah. And it's only when you do a development where you haven't necessarily used all of those professionals that you then say to yourself, "Right, next time round, I, I so, need these guys." So as, a, so, as a developer, you don't know. As a, when you first start out, you don't know what professionals even exist. So, for example, if it's a site that doesn't require, and it's not attached to any building, or it's not near any other buildings, then the requirement for a party wall surveyor is not, doesn't even come into your, into your conscience consciousness. So
0: naturally you wouldn't have one or two?
1: No, they even exist. Yeah. Well, it's only when you find a site that perhaps where you're still detached, which is the one one in Pearlie, is, is fairly close to both sides. We need a party wall surveyor. On both sides, the one in Acton is connected on all three sides as a factory, which is currently connected to three commercial units. Um, so it's the most expensive party wall. It's the most complicated build I think we've ever seen. Yeah. Um, loads of professionals are required in there: the police, the fire. But we're talking all of it because it's right on a high street. We've got scaffolding building over the path and a tunnel for the pedestrians. It's just an absolute nightmare. But until you're in a scheme, you don't necessarily know what professionals you need. Yeah. But on top of that, the layer above that, is to have a, which is now what we use, and that's an independent uh, QS uh, consultancy, which also do project management, have been doing this stuff for about 25, 30 years. What they bring is they understand all of this stuff, which we would never have, we would have, never have known. And um, so I think that's what happens. The more you do, starts to make you feel actually that was bloody hard work i wonder if there's people that can help out and actually then you start to to reach out and even things like interior design for example um you know carolina from mademchik um fantastic company and um you know there's loads loads of people i'd want to mention gun associates and uh, loads of other people but um architects but what they do is they bring the site to life, they do the internal defined spec uh, document. What that does is it defines what the, um, what the internal spec is, so that gets dropped into the JCT contract. And what that then does is, is defines the build cost, where if you don't have that, ambiguity sets in. And uh, I'm not saying if there's a good contract, you can work through it, but having that internal spec document, yes, it costs money. But at the same makes time things easier, it makes things it? easier. And it 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 saves you having to physically get your headspace. All of a sudden you're part way through the project. Now you've got to make a decision on what on yeah. what's happening in the bathroom. These things you have these aren't there's not good time for all this stuff. And in fact, if you can define all of that within the design element at the beginning, that helps. I didn't do any of this, by the way, on the site. Um, I was just about to say one. I don't
0: remember you doing any of
1: this. None of it. You don't <laughs> So that? if we yeah. so if
0: we were to take a short answer um, Told you. <laughs> Um, I suppose, actually, the short answer there is choose people who are going to make life easier for you, Um, which I think you and I are both guilty of, yeah, on our first projects, definitely not using those sort of people. But the the
1: thing is, the good thing is what you don't know means that you then gain the IP. Yeah. There's no bad way to it. Do you make less money on the first project? Yes. I think you will be lucky if you make good money on the first project. Uh, Our first project we lost like I mentioned earlier, it's yes. a small, small site, um, but yeah, I think you just learn as you go. Okay,
0: so that brings us nicely into, we, we've spoken around a lot of stuff, but I suppose uh, we, what people really want to know is how you guys are financially now getting to where you are. Mm. So, I think it'd be good if we talk through some of the creative strategies that you've used, and I mean, we can take it site by site, yeah. um, I think that'd be really helpful. So, yeah, I suppose, talk us through some of the strategies that the three of you are using moving forward on site. So I can see you rubbing your hands, you're getting excited for this bit.
1: This, this bit's cool, yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's so many ways, yeah.
0: Yeah, talk us through Let's Let's dissect some of your sites.
1: So, when I first started, a good way for me to start was I didn't know development. And I hadn't done one before. In fact, my first project was a commercial to residential conversion to uh, an office to nine apartments and at the time I didn't have the money uh, I had the time because the rent to rent business was bringing in a cash flow yeah so I had I had the ability to be full-time on property development but didn't have the money or wouldn't even know how the structure worked or anything and what I did is I actually teamed up with someone at the time he fully funded it it was his site and I had a profit share in the project. Because he lived in Hertfordshire and I lived in Peterborough, or lives live in Peterborough still, and what that, it that then meant that I could help manage the site. I yeah. went out and, and met some building contractors. In fact, it was the building contractor that me and my old business partner had um, done several HMO conversions, so we had some good history with him. So we introduced him to uh, to this to this business partner at the time, and um, we done very very well, I have to say, on that project. But what did it do? financially done well for him. For the, yep. that, that's the most important thing. It worked for him. We done very well. We put an invoice in at the end for, for uh, call it a consultancy fee. Yep. But what did it do for us? It, it allowed us to learn how a commercial conversion would work. Yeah. And hands-on experience. Hands-on experience, but had no necessary risk. Our risk was time because we could have put all this time into, say, our building contractor, we could have lost a lot and not got anything. Yeah. But as it happened, it worked really well for me and the, the business partner. So that was a really good way of getting in. Um, I've done the same for HMOs, by the way. Exactly the same principle. And um, but anyway, there's all kinds of things going on around this office, Michael. I
0: oh know it's very loud in it? I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to have words.
1: Look <laughs> <laughs> at the who things you gonna start. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was that was one way. Um, so how? Broadwing are are doing it, and um, so th- talking through a couple of strategies. So when um, one strategy is this, called it the what we would for ourselves call it vanilla. So we've yep. got a principal lender that will go up to um, what were your, your I'm not chedding your toes here, my No, please. no, that's you know, right. Uh,
0: You're bringing a senior uh, debt lender in that's going to you know. do you 65 percent of GDV and. Yeah. yeah, just coming on that basic level.
1: Yeah, um, so let's say it takes us to 80% of cost um, as such and then, um, uh, which is what we've done, and then, then um, uh, the equity component that's towards the purchase. Yep, so that we,
0: remaining 20% of cost. Yeah,
1: yeah. that 20% of cost um, is either put in by ourselves as a company or yep. um, we've gone out to an investor. Yeah. to put that component in. And um, now that's one of them that we've done it in that way. And another way, uh, that's, that's fine.
0: So that's just a very basic structure where you've got the senior debt and then an investor. Yeah. Just really simply.
1: Yeah, that's it. And um, now in terms of the equity component, that we do that in several ways. Either the equity component, can be, so it can either be debt or equity. So if it's debt, of course, then there's a guaranteed fixed return that you're giving to the partner yep. or to the investor. Uh, the upside is for the investor is that they're getting a fixed return. The uh, the downside to the developer, let's call it us, um, is that we're now – our leverage has been extended as a business. So not yep. only are we leveraged to 80% of cost, we're now – we've got this extra leverage too.
0: You, you, well, you're getting close to 100% of cost, aren't you?
1: Yeah. Correct. So at that point, um, is it sensible perhaps not you know, there's different ways of doing this but um, but anyway that's that's one way of doing it that has its own compromise um, or the other way to do it is an equity component where you give a profit share yeah so it means that you're giving more away but then you've still got this 20% that is being put in by an investor yeah that of course they' they're taking a proportionally high risk but at the same time uh, they get a much higher return yeah so it's got to be seesawed in a way that everyone feels comfortable. Uh, and that's us also. Um, but, but,
0: uh, well, from both sides, without the other, you're not making anything. So, the the investor without you guys isn't making the return on his money, and likewise for you guys, without the investor, you're not doing the project. So, I suppose yeah, it, it, it's a win-win for everyone, isn't it? Really?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, so we. But all of ours are being funded in different ways. So there's, there's a couple of examples that we're that we're doing. Another one is where we. Um, principal lender again, 80% yep. of cost, then a Mes lender has stepped in to take it to 90%, so they're putting in 10%, and then the other 10% has been put in by ourselves. Yep. Or, again, you could still get from an investor, an investor again, that yep. you can give a return or whatever. Now, um, that's another way that we're currently doing it on a scheme. Yep. Now, again, the compromise with that, of course, is that you've got more legals involved. So you've got a solicitor yep. for the seller, the solicitor for you, You've got a solicitor for the principal lender taken up to 80% and you've got another solicitor which is for your MES lender. Yeah. And they all want the contract to say certain things. And yeah. if you then are going to bring in an equity partner that's going to put in that 10%, they're going to have their own solicitor too. So you can start to see that there's quite a lot of complexity. There's a lot of
0: lawyers and yeah, a lot of
1: lot of hurdles. That's a lot of That's a lot of pain. And arguably it could be um, more sensible, perhaps, to go to a lender that would perhaps go to ninety yeah. percent. That I know you've in, you, you've spoken to us about, Michael. That that will go to nine. They've got their own Mes sort of product. Yeah. Which meant that, which effectively means you've got still one lawyer. Yeah. And that's all kind of set in place between them. I'd perhaps so that's a. A better solution.
0: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, what, what you're talking about is potentially even, so you, where you got your senior debt up to 80, 85% of cost, okay. then your stretch senior that comes in at normally 85 to 90, um, it's, it's whether you decided to go stretched or mezzanine. Um, and I think you're right, I think taking sometimes that additional lawyer out can be uh, very, very beneficial. I mean, we've got one at the minute where we're, we're doing quite a chunky development exit deal. Um, and the problem you've got is you've got the lender, who a lot, a lot of these lenders are funded, and obviously I'm, I'm teaching you how to suck eggs, but for the, for the people listening, um, essentially you've got the lenders, but they're funded by other people. So they've got their own private investors. And The problem you've got, especially on this one, is that we've got the lender, obviously they've got a lawyer, and then you've got the investors who are investing with the lender, they've got a lawyer. Then you've got the clients who have got a lawyer, and then there's me getting involved, trying to get updates. And then the lender's trying to get updates, the investor's trying to get updates, client's trying to get and And the problem with that is you really do get this whole too many cooks spoil the broth, and it, it, it happens so often. Um, so I think, yeah, if you can take out even one lawyer out of that, it it, it definitely helps. Um, so we have spoken about, yeah, it, it's sort of your, your more basic funded deals. But I suppose, let, let's talk about some of the more creative deals that you've done. Um, so I suppose for anyone who's listening, because... I think we've been chatting now for a good sort of forty-five minutes. So, um, yeah, what, what's the most creative deal that you've done, whether it be with Broadwing or, or beforehand? Um, just to give people an idea, because we've—I mean, for anyone who's listening, they, they've started to build this confidence over the last forty-five minutes that that actually is possible to get into property development, commercial conversions, rent to rent, etc., without having to worry about necessarily putting their own money into deals um, and,
1: and, and just just on that um, cause I feel really passionate about this this that everything that I've personally been involved in has meant that no I've, I've uh, not been in the financial position to be the person that has the money yeah you know I had to be the person that is all in yeah and when I mean all in I'm talking about you know you put in you know li- live and breathe. Property development. You know what do I understand? What have I done before? How do yeah. I make it happen? Who do I need to connect to? Um, you need to make yourself proper busy. Yeah. And if you, like, as Jim Rohn always t- talks about, you know in, the only way that you can ever get paid more is to increase your value. And uh, that's what I've spent all of my time doing. So I think if you can do that component, you're never going to get it right. But if you can get that part right, then the money follows. Yeah. The action takers s- seem to, um, to uh, you know. Attract action takers, yeah. and that's essentially what's happened with that. Yeah, um, but yeah, sorry, Matt. I just wanted to drop that in. That's
0: yeah. all right. No worries. So yeah, coming back. Yeah, what's what's the most creative deal that that you guys have done that that would really yeah just install that next layer of confidence that that really this stuff is possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, joint ventures work really well. Yeah. Um, and jo- joint, we're doing one um, one development where. And I'm not even sure if this is repeatable, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if you could do a course on it, because I'm not sure how many people out there would want to do this. But but, I, but at the same time, I can understand why this particular landowner would want to do it in this way. But um, it's where, in, in essence, we sat down with the landowner yep. and uh, we said, look, you got your site here. It's it's on the market. We want to buy it. And um, and he turned around and said, well. Okay, let's find. this, talk about that. We wanted. To, it's a subject to full planning. It's currently currently a commercial site, so which which meant that. No, we'd go down the normal lending route and purchase yep. it, and so on. Subject to we get a six month option, or subject to planning a contract on it, and so on. But what happened was, is uh, he's based abroad and he flew over from from where he lives, and we brought his his, uh, his lawyer with him and sat down in front of us in a very nice restaurant in London, and we sat down and we course put it across to him, in effect, this is what we want to do. And he asked, well, where are you getting the money from to, 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 to do the build? And so, of course, we, we told him. And he said, well, how much interest are you paying on that? And, and of course, and as this conversation went on, we then kept found to realise he's a very, very, very wealthy man. And um, he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm not in the country. I know nothing about property whatsoever. Um, but well, I've been meaning to him to get planning on it if you guys can get planning on this site, they've tried three times, by the way, and never been successful. But they're trying to put lots of flats and the things that just, it's never going to work on yeah. that. You know, had to be more sympathetic than that. So we agreed a deal. And that, agree, that deal was that, you know, that he puts all the land in and um, he also funds the entire planning process. Blimey. He also funds the the entire build. And, um, and we... Sh- Share the profits at the end, and um, so uh, what, what? What it and we're we're just due to get planning approval, and we've verbally had it. So what? What, what in effect that will be is a construction management contract, you know, with yep. with the owners, and uh, where we carry out the full build, we get a good JCT, we bring all of the professionals to the yep. to, to the to the to the product, and um, that it gets marketed, and we we get the profits at the end. So. As I say, I'm not quite sure how repeatable that is, but the point I'm trying to make is that there's so many ways of doing it. Yep. Um, another one that we're, we're hopefully looking to get established is you'll, you'll find this a lot too, that, and you might even be an option holder yourself, but in some cases, you'll have people that will get, or so in many cases, it happens everywhere, uh, we're looking to do the same ourselves, but having sites where, where you have an option on. Yep. So they will have an option on the site for, say, two years. And they've got to be able to execute the option within that time period. Yeah. So the developer will step in. They'll pay X amount to the landowner, and they'll get full planning. So there'll be an uplift, and of course, then they'll sell the site and they make the profit in between. And in some cases, the, the numbers are not quite right. Um, yeah. They might have misguided the numbers because um, they, they might not have been. At, they might not have done developments of say nine or ten units. They might yeah. have done one or two houses. So they might have got the numbers wrong. So. It enables us to be able to sort of say to them, well, look, the numbers don't quite work, and what you think the site is worth, but what we can do is step in, we can buy the site and execute, and basically execute the exercise, the option for you. So that's then done. Yeah. And then we share the profits accordingly. So as long as we can get the, because at that point the, the lender is okay, because the purchase price is right. Yeah. But we then just share the profits accordingly. Um, so there's so many ways that you can you can make. Structures work. Make a deal work. But yep. like I said, right at the beginning, I think ultimately, eighty percent of who we see and sit down and speak to just never comes to anything. You know, it's only the. In fact, I'd even say ninety percent. It's a very.
0: You've got very, to be so active. You could be to, very
1: active. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's the
0: same for for mortgage brokers. I mean, you you've literally got to pull so much business in, especially on the development side for me, because obviously I'm not doing buy to lets and resis which are. If I was doing those, my hit rate would probably be much higher, but for, for development stuff, like you said, you, you get these developments that come in and, yeah, like you said, 90% of them just, just don't come to anything. Um, but that actually leads me quite nicely onto asking you probably one of the biggest questions uh, that, that most people ask and one of the biggest hurdles that a lot of people ask, or, or face, sorry, because um, one of the biggest strategies, I guess, for, for first-time developers is this JVing with landowners? Um, it seems to be the most effective, it seems to be the best for no money down deals. Mm. Now, I guess the biggest hurdle, and I've experienced this myself, is going to a landowner and trying to persuade them to bring land into an SPV. There's no trust there, there's no relationship there, there's mm. potential tax implications, monetary implications for the vendor. So, how do you as a developer, or how would you recommend people overcome that hurdle? Because it's, it's the biggest hurdle that people face. Mm. Um, how do they persuade the vendor to bring the land into that SPV? And I know it's a very open-ended question, and it's a, it's a difficult one to potentially answer.
1: No, it's a brilliant question, because it's the, the holy grail, really. It, let's face it, because you're not having to put any money in, yeah. or or very, very nominal amount. Um, but at the same time, your, your risk is that you're signing up to PG's against the you know, personal yep. guarantees against the loan. So there is risk. You know, there's also risk of time as well. Yep. You do the whole thing and it makes no money whatsoever. And um, so th- 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 there's certainly risk on, on both sides. Now, I think what fundamentally helps is who your team are. Yeah, I think if you go in there with just on your own, I think it's difficult. I'm not not saying physically because you'll you'll be the individual going in there having that meeting. But when you start to promote the architects that you work with, by the way, that have been doing this for thirty five years, that I think really helps. So having an understanding of who they are, yeah, maybe even bring them along to the meeting. I think that helps. Okay. Um, So that's a really good way because they can, they the owner. Might genuinely believe that planning could take three years. Yeah, he's been told by his mate down the road, you're never going to get planning on that. If you bring you and your architect along, then that gives you a bit of extra credibility. They can help um, instill some confidence that this is probably likely to be within 12 months, for example. Yeah. So this isn't like a distant mem- uh, possibility dream for them. So I think that certainly helps. No light like, trust. It's the same principle. It's people, people. Yeah. Um, right at the beginning. Totally understand. If you've got no history, it's all well and good. We can easily now start to say we've got developments to show, and it's all yeah. well and good. But when you were at the beginning, which when I first started, that um, you haven't got that credibility, but you can borrow it. So if you borrow the, the borrow the credibility, that really helps. Um, the owner, this is our experience, what people have told us. If they feel that they can work with you. And you've got good contacts around you that's trusted. Yeah. That is normally the the defini- is the defining factor. Also, that your that they if they sell the site as a purchase I mentioned earlier on about the seesaw effect, it needs to be they're waiting to be paid in two years' time. Yeah. It needs to significantly outweigh if they were going to sell it today for X. Yeah. And if that's not significant enough, let's face it, they're, they're not going to wait forgetting. that two years, aren't they? So, so there's, you've got to try and get the numbers right, take greed out of the equation, uh, make them understand, educate the owners to how the process works. Yep. And, um, but I think a lot of those things help at the beginning for sure. Um, but yeah, if you can do um, every single viewing that you do, and I mean every one, if it's an agent, no matter where they've come from, could come from Savills. Who cares where they come from? still ask every single owner um, you know would you be open to doing a joint venture and in most cases they won 't even know what that means yeah now um, if it's a developer flipping it that's got full planning that they're looking to sell maybe maybe not don 't know what their personal situation is, yeah. but it 's just explaining how it works and a joint venture could be part money now, part at the end, part money now, part in the middle, part at the end could be no yeah. money now and the whole structure can be worked out in a way that If you wait right to the end, is where you get most of the money. Yeah, and um, but
0: yeah, it's all about. I think, like you say, it's creating that win-win, isn't it, for everyone? Um, Brilliant. Okay, so I mean that probably brings us to a to a nice close. Um, But one thing I wanted to ask you about, and it's something that you've been promoting quite a bit recently, um, quite a lot, (laughs) is your plan for the end of this year. Your, i say the end of this year, it's probably a bit bit sooner than that, um, but a certain event that you're thinking of doing. Um, oh, you've, you've just, let the cat out of the bag. I've let the cat <laughs> out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. But I just thought it'd be a nice thing to... This maybe, is like a
1: Game of Thrones moment, this is. This is. You're asking me to reveal the ending.
0: I've asked you to reveal the ending, <laughs> which, which may not go down too well. No. No. Um, Share as much as you are happy with. Oh, um, oh I know. I've no, been no. right on the spot. No, now. no.
1: Listen, that's cool. So basically, um, so yeah, what, what we felt that we wanted, to... Um, and Michael, we, obviously, I know you can be working with us on it as well. We couldn't be more pleased to, to, to be doing it. But we wanted to put on a um, a collaboration event, in essence. So we're not talking. Uh, we're not doing education. We're not any. You know, we, we haven't got time for that. Yep. But but what we wanted to be able to do is put on a an event, which is uh, for anyone that's within the property development space. Yeah. This is developers, experienced and uh, and a non, from party wall surveyors to structural engineers to architects to designers all the way along and, and uh, solicitors and everyone in between. Uh, mortgage brokers, lenders, everybody, um, investors and so on, for the, for everyone to come along to an event that enables people to not just have one stage, in essence, but it's where there's break-off sessions, where there's a technology, and there's, there's you know there's things yeah. that are relevant for people that want to come. So, it'll be over two days, and we're looking to do it, in um, we, 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 we think, in September. So, that's when we're going to... So, it's a little way off yet yes yeah but um but there's a it's going to be a fairly uh, sizable event um, yep. but we want it not too too big that it's um that it's that you become too detached yeah but um we're not talking you know we are talking um real relevant uh, you know information but yes, the that yeah. the the, but the the nuts and bolts of the event is um I won't. I won't say what it's what it's called or anything yet. No, no, no. no. All of no. this. All this. All keep if, it. Keep if, it as a bit of a surprise. Yeah, this is all going to be launched. Really, so there's so many people in the background that's that's, that's helping put this together. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to put on an event that. Um, that means that people would want to rally behind for it to happen. Yeah. And uh, that's what we uh, that's what we're doing. So yeah, proper excited about that. But yeah. we'll, we'll be releasing more as it comes.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's that's my fault for putting you on the spot. That's all right. But no, I thought that the reason I would mentioned that is because. Uh, a number of times over the last hour, we've mentioned collaboration, how to find members of the power team. I, oh, I hate calling it a power team, why have I called it that? Professional team. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know why I called it a power team. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's all about finding these people, and actually, what you're doing is creating an event where actually everything's there ready made. Um, and I think yeah, I, I just wanted to to raise that so that people are aware that that's coming and it, it is a genuine, I believe, one-off event. Um,
1: it will be, yeah. It, cause, I cause, mean, who cause, knows? Cause, it? cause it's just the purpose that it's going to be on for. You know, yeah. the the purpose, you know, is is um, is as 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 we've described. You know, it's been able for for people to come and breathe easy. Yeah. They're not being sold anything. Um, not that there's an, any problems with with those events that do that, but this particular one will, won't, won't be that, yeah. and uh, that just allows people to you know to take a moment and take in the event as it is. Yeah. There's to be fantastic networking, um, and amazing speakers that people haven't seen before, um, and um, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. So, uh, and obviously you, Mr. P, will
0: well, well, I, I may well make an appearance. appearance. Who knows? For um, sure. No, well it. It's been brilliant, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure people will have found a huge amount of value out of this episode. Um, so, what we'll do is we'll put all of Carl's details in the show notes below. Um, so, if anyone wants to get in contact with Carl, um, they'll be able to. Um, but otherwise, I think that just leaves me to say thank you very much for waffling to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I knew you'd say something like, <laughs> thank "You know, I it in that way." Yeah, but cheers, Mister. No,
0: genuinely, thank you very much for being a part of this and uh, yeah thank you very much for sharing your knowledge no problem thanks buddy cheers thank you